this is Steven with Burkhart Creative Agency, and welcome to the Digital Hustle Show. Today we got Mark uh, with Rubber and Iron and 1110 Garage, and so he's going to be talking to us a little bit about uh, his dream of starting a place here and just doing life, doing things you actually enjoy. And so he's uh, a small business owner and has a lot of experience in doing that, and been doing that for years, and so I'm excited to uh, have him share a little bit of his backstory and some helpful things people to learn. Thanks. Thanks um, for having me. I think this is going to be really good. Yeah. Agreed. So. Okay. So we need to launch into why you were in a wheelchair in 2008. Oh, yeah. So this is a long story. I'll give you the cliff notes, right? Sure. So let's rewind back in time to 2008, right? Before the economy kind of crashed, okay. which is funny because of what we're seeing now. But <laughs> I was riding the, the wave, the high wave as a as a contractor private contractor oh, yeah. driving for different car manufacturers so nissan infinity um bmw hyundai companies like that uh, basically as a professional driver so they would we'd go on these tours launch tours so when a new model comes out new vehicle right and they would send out um these program it was a program that they'd send out and we'd go to different cities in the u.s set up a road course with cones, you know, okay. in a parking lot. Yeah. And then inside whatever facility they're using, they would set up different stations and they'd have facilitators that uh, walk the participants through different sections and talk about, hey, these are new features and all that. So they get to see the static aspect right. of it, you know, open, go inside the cars, look at them, whatever, right? I've never heard of this. And oh. then they get to go outside for the dynamic portion of it. Yeah. And they get to ride with one of us around the road course and kind of feel the vehicle and all the different systems that <laughs> that are developed out there like safety systems yeah. the dynamic you know traction control all that stuff right sure. so i was doing that and at 21 22 years old it was i mean that was yeah so i had all these other goals you know on the list i'm like i'm gonna put those on hold for a bit because this kind of opportunity doesn't happen often like i'll go back to college I, I took a break after five years i'm like i'll go back and after i do this i mean it's just an awesome opportunity so i do that it's freaking awesome young making way too much money too easily traveling all over the place that's a combination for good and not so you know responsible decisions of yes. course <laughs> but long story short uh i was in new york for like about three months or so came home back here in Arizona and two days later a buddy of mine just drove down from he lived up north in Heber mm. he had a little shop up there and uh, I come from a background of drifting that's what I did for years and years and uh, he had a similar car that I had he put the same motor in it it wasn't quite done he really wanted me to take it for a ride in mine so after he drove down and I had just gotten off this two month or three month tour, it's like, all right, fine. You know, I'll give you a ride in it. We go get the car out of the garage. The tires on it were bald from the last race that was a few months back. You know right. what I mean? So not the kind of tires you wanted to be driving with on the road. Just no. the car was not in the right condition. Right. Yeah. So we go anyways, go mess around, do some donuts, whatever. And then decide to go to the gas station. It's the middle of summer. It's warm out, you know. Start going, and car pulls out in front of me. 
without looking. Yeah. And I just instinctly like just reflexes just went around. But then the car spun and I wrapped it around a light pole. Oh. Fast forward two weeks later, I wake up. Yep. Oh my in God. the hospital. And I've got these metal bars sticking out of my pelvis here. Oh. And I'm just grabbing it. I'm like, mom, what is my mom's right here. And I'm like, what is it? Let's get this out. And so she's pressing the button for more morphine just to knock me out because I didn't know what was going on. Sure. Fast forward again, after a month in a hospital, all that stuff, I'm in a wheelchair, they send me home, got metal rods everywhere. I still have a bunch of them. Yeah. Oh, my leg, everywhere. Yeah, they don't take those things out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of them they do, but yeah. not these. They're inside where the bone marrow normally goes, right? Wow. So doing that, and I'm back in my own apartment, which I had before. But now I'm just, you know, by myself in a wheelchair, no car, no internet, no cable. So I'm just, all right, what am I going to do? I really just get bored. So yeah. watched a lot of movies, primarily Step Brothers <laughs> and Anchorman. <laughs> Classic. So those two movies were on repeat yeah. daily. And then the PlayStation 2, Guitar Hero, bam, rock out, jam out on that. And that's what got me through that whole lonely yeah. section of life through recovery you know because i know they told me i'd be in the wheelchair for three to four years and snowboarding racing cars riding motorcycles all that was going to be out but within three months i said you know what screw this it's all in here you know you can decide how you want to heal right. whether you're going to feel sorry for yourself and listen to the doctor say you know what you're right I'm never going to do this, never going to do that. Right. I said, no, I'm going to do this. So I just started standing up out of my wheelchair a couple times a day. And then it turned into being able to walk across the room. And so three months and I was walking again. That's amazing. Because now you see me, you know, 12 years later. Yeah. But no one can ever tell that anything's happened unless I tell them, you sure. know. So, yeah, it just, it taught me a lot. Because, yeah, that was a pretty awful experience. But at the same time. I grew faster than I would have if that accident didn't happen. You know what I mean? So with that, I mean, I'm grateful for it, of course, for what it's taught me. But I kind of apply that mindset of I can do anything because it's all in here. It starts in here. Everything's exactly everything starts with a thought. So with that, I just learned more and did more research and started learning more about, okay, what can I do with my mind? You know? I don't need to be limited yeah. by my surroundings sure. and my current reality. Yeah. I can have dreams. People encourage you to have dreams. And I can start seeing glimpse of them coming to fruition all around me. So even this shop, for example, you know, it may not be exactly 100% how I imagined years ago when I started Rubber and Iron in 2013 the whole basis of it's going to be once I decide to move forward with it, but it's going to be a place where people can come hang out and see different projects we're working on and also hang out because it'll be a coffee shop, for example. Right. So that's something I've been working on for a long time, but it just hasn't felt like the right time life happens and so on. But moving from my other shop location to this one with six of us coming together, it worked out really well. I mean, there's always somebody here working on something. Yeah. So we kind of motivate each other, help each other. And 
it's just been really, really good. And it's only the beginning because we've only had this space since probably October. So unfortunately, this whole economic collapse and virus thing happened. But so the social aspect of it, we've had to kind of cut off for a bit. But uh, as soon as that gets lifted, we'll be right back to doing our monthly events here, other events that we'll do Saturday nights and stuff like that. So really excited about it. It's always funny to me, like when I think about like the journey of like a small business owner, I feel like unless your like personality type just really bucks the system, like you kind of condition, I feel like, to kind of like blend in and like not stand out and not be like extraordinary, I guess. Right. But then when you become a small business owner, like all of a sudden everyone's like, dream big, do amazing things. Like, you know, like you said, like don't be limited by anything that you have like around you right now. And it's like, that's literally not what I've been taught like right. my entire life. Same. Unless you had like a parent that like really drove it into you or like you were just wired that way. But Which mine like, were not. Right. And it's like, <laughs> so it's like, um, how are you supposed to have that mindset? How are you supposed to feel enabled right. then think like, oh, this is a cool idea and then actually believe that it's possible because you're doing all the things that you've been basically trained not to do, which is now you need to stand up. Now right. people need to notice you. Now people need to remember you and you need to not blend in because... That's now, how we're conditioned. Yeah. And it's based on societal things. Um, our parents, you know, parents have a big influence. So sure. how they were raised, so their parents... So they kind of engraved it in their heads, like, this is what you do. You finish high school, then you go to college, then you get married, then you have kids, you know, and you work a job at a place for 20 to 40 years, and then you get your retirement. You know, that's been engraved in so many people's heads based on all those factors. So it is very challenging. But once somebody steps out of that and sees that there's, there's more than one path, right, there's multiple paths, and yeah, we're going to hit speed bumps, and that's normal. Sure. Or there's going to be a wall you hit. Guess what? Climb over that wall or just go around it and just keep trucking along, you know? As long as as you train yourself, cause it's all you have to just train yourself with repetition to just look forward, yeah. right? It's just like if you plan a trip, let's say you want to go to San Diego, right? You know that it's there. You know that you will get there. You can even plug it in your GPS and it'll find the route for you. All you have to do is just start going. Right. You don't know. You can't see more than maybe 100 feet in front of you. So you don't know what you're going to encounter. But you don't worry about it. Because you you know, oh, I'm getting to my destination. Right? right. That's kind of what I've applied to my life. So, obviously, overcoming your injury like equipped you... I look like with the attitude and the confidence because you actually did it, right? Like I feel like sometimes people are like try to like get in their own head and give themselves confidence that they haven't like earned yet. Per se. Right. Um, but after that, you were talking about how you did some research on the learning about like how the mind works. What were some like other things that you like learned about and discovered, either like about how that just works or in yourself that like really affected you, like to things that make sense. So I started to read more and more books about how the, how the power of the mind, power of thought, you know, and I can drop names, but, you know, and then there's, of course, a classic that somehow was randomly just brought to me. It was just most random. It was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Oh, yeah. So that's a classic book, right? Yeah. And after reading that, then I started 
attracting other things like, oh, look at this book. Oh, this guy, Bob Proctor. Okay, what does he talk about? Research. Oh, look, it looks like he's been reading that book, Think and Grow Rich, from uh, Napoleon Hill for 50 years every day. So you start, and then I just started dissecting what all the different sections are and how they work and what do you use them for and does it work? So I started just trying it out with little things, you know. I'm going to attract this. Or I want to accomplish, I want this event to happen this way. And then just start trying it out and seeing what works and what doesn't. And if it doesn't work, which that happens, right? It's part of it. Oh, yeah. Then start, I, I started to learn how to realize and notice where I went wrong. And then I dissect that and see, okay, what was my pattern? What happened that put that wrench in the spokes, right? And then you can actually go down and you can pinpoint what it was in your own thoughts like oh this is what i was thinking i kept doubting this or right. you know this happened and i reacted instead of step back thought about it you know contemplated what to do and then find a solution instead of forcing it so there's oh man i can go on for <laughs> much longer than a podcast right. on all this stuff you know what i mean sure but yeah i think that i'd have to agree in the sense that um, so, like, I have a, a Christian background, but I think really, like, any background or society, like, background, you, like, you sometimes attach too much meaning and when things happen. Mm -hmm. Like, so let's say you try to throw an event and it right. doesn't work out, well, then immediately, like, instead of trying to deconstruct where you went wrong, sometimes people jump to the conclusion, like, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. Right. Or, like... You know, I wasn't supposed to do that. And, and, and certainly there are cases where that's true. Right, of but course. for the most part, it's like, okay, like, maybe the event wasn't well attended because I was living in the fear of thinking that, like, we'd run out of space and it wouldn't work good and we'd run out of food. And so you, like, subconsciously, like, hold yourself back. Right. From maybe, like, sending those extra, like, messages or making those extra phone calls to get people to come. And that's really what What the it was, was. It right. It wasn't, like, some, like global destiny for like the amount of people that showed up to your events <laughs> and that's I mean? that's because we are our own worst enemy yes we really are because we could have something that's laid out perfectly and we can completely screw it up just by negative thoughts or right. thoughts of doubt for example and that's been something i've you know it's been challenging for me but for the last 12 years you know i've been working on myself self personal growth you know i've had ups and downs of course just like everybody else sure. and but now every time i the more when i when i have a downtime, for example or down slope or spiral i can turn it around and pivot back in the other direction a lot more easily right. you know and smoothly than let's say 10 years ago right. when i was just learning about what i could do with my own sure. brain my mind you know yeah so hopefully everyone like listening and watching like understanding that it's like a process that you don't just like wake up one day and have like right. loads of self confidence. Oh no! <laughs> and like all these like positive thoughts, and all of a sudden, like everything you ever dreamed about manifests itself. It's like it just doesn't work that way. I'll never be a hundred percent, you know, done with learning and evolving how to use my mind. You know what right. I mean? Because I learn something new every day. Or even if I'm listening or reading something I've read a hundred times, there'll be times I'm like, I didn't remember that. I don't remember ever reading that. And it's right here, right. you know, and then you learn something new and it's all part of the process. I think the biggest thing, biggest, uh, you know, words of advice that I would tell people, yeah. 
be easier on yourself. I resonate no, with that so no, much. Yeah, no matter what. No matter how hard it gets, just be easier on yourself. Step back and be like, you know what? Okay. That's not so bad. Whatever is going wrong, it always works out. I mean, we can all look back and be like, hey, remember this? Oh, yeah. Guess what? Oh, it worked out. How did it work out? Then start thinking about, okay, how did it work out? Oh, it worked out because of this worked out and this and this lined up and met this person and got this phone call and had this conversation. That's all part of it. Cool. So walk us through, okay, so you've kind of given us like the overview of what's happened as far as your journey as a business owner, but um, let's dive in a little bit as to like what um, oh my gosh my mind is in rubber and iron oh gosh so let's dive in a little bit to what like rubber and iron is like how that started what kind of was like the seed that created that so yeah that's oh that's going to be a long like <laughs> track down memory lane but so when I I've been riding motorcycles for since 2009 tinkering with them riding them here and there but didn't take it super seriously until about 2013 where I was getting more involved, um, tearing down a bike and just, you know, and actually one of my first bikes is here somewhere. It's one of the, yeah, the, the one with the silver tank down here. Yeah. That's one of my first, you know, bikes that I started really messing with. It's a Honda CX 500 79. So I picked that thing up. It was a basket case. The front wheel was wobbly. Picked it up off a guy for like 600 bucks. And luckily, he only lived like two miles away from my house. I said, I'm going to chance it. I'm going to ride it home. It died three times on the way home. Got it home finally, right? And uh, just started messing with that and just drawing sketches and what I could do with it. Started going through different variations, different parts. Started switching stuff out with other models, like other years of that same bike. Some of them came with different wheels, different tanks, and this and that. And that's how that kind of started. Yeah. And so that's kind of how that that got rubber and iron started. Because I always wanted to, I've always wanted to own a coffee shop, a place people can come hang out, right? They can do their homework there, they work or whatever, like people do in coffee shops, right? But have the atmosphere be more like like an auto, like a motorcycle and an auto shop, right? So there'll be some of my bikes around here, some artwork from friends of mine, photos that I've taken or friends have taken, um, have the shop connected to it and have windows and they can look inside and kind of check it out, you know, whole different classes that I could do on a monthly basis. People come learn how to change the oil on their motorcycle or just for give you an example. And I know I've always wanted to do that, but I needed, it needed a name, it needed a brand. So after spending hours, countless hours, just trying to come up with something, forcing it, and just like put the pen down, let it go for a bit. Fast forward, not even a few days later, in the middle of the night, it was two in the morning watching a TV show or something, and then it just clicked. And I always keep a a pen and a pad next to my bed, just in case I get random ideas, right? Sure. I just wrote down rubber and iron, just went to bed. And in the morning I saw it, it was like, huh, okay. And then I started like writing it in different fonts and stuff and then came up with the logo. And it was just super simple and yeah. said, all right, that's what I'm going to do. And then I started putting the wheels in motion of what I wanted to build. wanted to build a brand, an image. 
and leave it open to where I could do multiple things with it, you know, such as the lamps that I make or, you know, things like that. So like a lifestyle. Yeah. Really? Lifestyle brand. Yeah. That's, uh, it's always interesting to me how there's such a process. And it's like you said, I feel like I was just literally talking to a guy the other day where he was like, he was trying to figure out what his brand was all about. And it's like, honestly, like, you kind of have to let it develop because, like, like, some of it's, like, logical and just, like, intellectual, but you're, like, the business owner, too, so, like, a lot of it is emotional, too. Right. And so there is a lot of feelings in it, and those feelings affect the decisions. And so you kind of have to let yourself, like, work through those things and, like, discover what did you care about or discover what you want to get known for. Right, or that's true. <laughs> what, like, people, like, want to, what you want them to know about you. And that just takes time. It does. And you, have, you can't really force it. Yeah. A lot of people end up forcing it. I've tried to force it numerous times. Yes. And then I step back and realize, no, I just got to let it flow, let it come to me, and then see where it goes. And that's usually how things start picking up momentum because once you start noticing things moving that's when that real momentum happens and you start feeling it like oh yeah it's on and then next thing you know you know things are just rolling and rolling and and next you know you're building up your brand organically i should say you know as opposed to trying to force it feel like in some abstract way that's like when i first started like drinking beer (laughs) <laughs> and it was like the first beer I had was like a Bud Light, and I was like, "God, this is awful." <laughs> and and like I, I could drink it now, no problem. Like you know, because you kind of like develop a taste for beer or whatever. But like I remember the first time I had, I was like, "Man, this is the worst." And then like I finally found a beer I liked, and I was like, "Okay, this is cool." And like I you know explored that, and then that started like shifting off to other things, and then. Pretty soon, there's like a whole collection of beers that I enjoy. Oh yeah, uh, because I kind of like found my like starting point. And I feel like that journey is really the same for brands when they're like trying to discover what they're all about. Is like you just you keep doing things and you keep making things, and eventually, like you do something, you're like, wait a second, what was that? Like that just like kind of felt right. Right. That felt like true to what I really care about and want to make. And you kind of go with yeah. that idea. Yeah, and it's like you find you find almost like a like, little like river. Exactly. And you like kind of like oh like this that's kind of where I'm going, and like that's only the beginning. There's so many more discoveries that have to be done. Oh, for sure. But it's like the start. I've always liked using the analogy of rivers, yeah. because it's instead of going upstream, fighting yeah. it like I need this to be this way. So you're paddling upstream in your kayak, right? Yeah. I have to. This is what I want. It's right there. I'm trying to get to it, and you're having a difficult time. You're pushing against it. But then you just let go and let it happen. Turn around and, oh, there it is down there. I'm just going to coast and let it come to me, you know? I've always liked that analogy. So when you said river, it just, like, Dude, that's crazy. Part, I've sparked it. never used that example ever. Yeah. So right now. And it's, like, your, your favorite. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. That's wild. That is such a good analogy, though. Like, just... Let um, go of the oars and just let it... Let the current take you. Yeah. You know? Because I feel like... You know, I always say that, like, having, like, starting a business is, is hard enough on its own. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Right. And so when I think of, like, like things that frustrate me lots, right, <laughs> that discourage me, um, trying to force things is definitely on the list. Oh, yeah. You know, trying to, like, push things to move faster than they should. Right. Um, 
definitely like pushing against that current. And there's like a certain level of that you have to do because you're you're, you're finding your spot in the market. Of course. And that inevitably is like pushing against the tide in some direction, in some way. But other things, you don't need to do that. Right. And you just end up giving yourself a bunch of headaches. For no reason. You don't even go through. And it's not, it's like, it's not going to get you any farther any faster. No. It'll just slow down the process, really. You burn out. And then all the time you gain will be But it happens. But then sometimes when that happens, you can bring on another brain, you know, somebody else that can maybe handle those kind of things from a different perspective, take that pressure off. And I think that's how a nice, like, mastermind alliance kind of forms, you know. So obviously the people working with you are not employees, but have you kind of felt like that's happened here? Not so much, because this is more, we keep this more as a collaboration. Okay. So everyone's doing their own thing, and it's just, yeah, just a, a collective or collaboration, right. so, right. I just didn't know if that, like, sharing of ideas and, like, stuff ever, like, sparked anything. It does when we do little events here, or yeah. if we put, when we do our monthly ride, then we kind of step, all you know, all of us kind of step in together and work together to make it happen. That's the common goal. Right. Um, but aside from that, everyone's just doing their thing, and... You know, once in a while we'll collaborate on a project, you know, and there's no pressure and it's just been really organic. It's been good. So less from a business standpoint, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So then, so you you built up that lifestyle brand. What what did it end up kind of being? Like, what does it kind of look like now? Right now. So right now the biggest thing, the staple would be those lamps that I make, right? Yeah. And I wish I had one here because, I mean, that'd be perfect. Because you guys are selling them. Right, yeah. So, one. and I, I usually, they're, it's a, I only do a small run of them, right? Mm-hmm. So annually I maybe do 10 or so up until now, maybe five to 10 a year. Um, so I'll get a waiting list from people for six months because they know I only do them yeah. once or twice a year. And I just finished doing a run not too long ago. I already got a list that's building up so much so that it's like, uh, maybe I should do these more often yeah. because they're picking up, you know, there's some traction there. Yeah. I've got a couple clients that have bought multiple lamps at, a, at the same time, you know. Um, I also give one away every year at the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride that I host here in Phoenix. Yeah. So I always donate one for the raffles that we raffle off, you know. And the proceeds obviously keep going to the foundation. Sure. So, but yeah, it's it's picked up, but they're limited because I source the the top, you know, engine covers, cylinder head covers from motorcycles, and they're primarily two strokes because they have I like all having all the fins and all the cooling uh-huh. fins on yeah. them and everything. So I recycle those. So first I got to find those. All the other parts are brand new. Sure. And I have a stockpile of all those little parts and stuff, right? I've got my process. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, sourcing those cylinder head covers is not, not easy, you know. So when I come across them and I see that I can pick up one or two here or three or four or five over here, I'll just start piling them up. And once I have about 10 or 12 of them, start making lamps, you know. Nice. Yeah, so that would be a, kind of a hard ball to 
keep rolling. Yeah, it's, it's like not something I could mass here. produce, you know. Because you're not producing them. Well, you're not the heads, at least. You're not producing them at all. Right. They're in that kind of, I guess, the character. But I have recently thought about that. Yeah. It's taking three or four of the different styles. Yeah. And casting them and making my own. Doing like mold and stuff. Yeah. Because they are cast aluminum. So I know a couple people. Right, I know a couple people. Yeah. Well, I clean clean them anyways. I sandblast them. Okay. And then I paint them with a high temp paint because it looks the best. Sure. It's got a nice satin finish to it and it won't rub off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little attention to detail. Now I really wish I had one to show you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen them online a little bit, and they're definitely very cool. Uh, definitely someone who, is, you know, even if they're not in that space, right? It, it's a character piece for sure. Everybody loves them, even people who don't ride motorcycles. Yeah, because they're unique. Yeah, they're cool. My dad, he has one. Um, he he's a pilot, but he could, you know you look at it and it just the 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 mechanical aspect of it and. And the, the design of it, you know, it fits for just about anybody. Yeah. So. so that's kind of the direction Rubber and Iron went. Um, the other direction that I was slowly starting to build up as well, which got put on pause because of the world's current uh, <laughs> health <laughs> state right now, is uh, putting on events, Rubber and Iron events. Yeah. So I like to gather people together and with common interests and, you know, so that's something I'm working on as well. There'll be themed rides and stuff like that. It'll be cool. Yeah. Kind of like an all-inclusive kind of thing, you know. Yeah. There'll be a destination and music and giveaways, stuff like that. That's, cool. that's something to look forward to in the future. <laughs> Hopefully in the near future. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um... I think, I mean, you, you hit on something that I think people have gotten better at over the years, but it, it, it can be a bit lonely being an entrepreneur or a business owner, especially if you don't have employees. Right. Because you end up spending so much time just, like, working and, you know, making connections and, you know, whatever else. And so you end up getting kind of just, like, siloed. It, yeah. So, it, you know, unless you're like a really like social butterfly, you know, and you go out if you work every night or whatever else, but it's so refreshing, I feel, to meet people who like really vibe with you because even in just the different interviews that I've done with people, like, I just like met like just good people. That's like, good. People who like share my enthusiasm and hunger for, you know, living life the best that you can. And for me, that's like not something I share with a lot of people. And so it's nice and refreshing and encouraging to, like, have those people in your circle. And Even if it's just, like, a random event. Right. And I feel like we attract that yeah. because that's what we're looking for. Boom. And then, I mean, this has happened so many times where I'll just spark up a conversation with somebody I just met. And then we're talking for hours and it's just things are coming up left and right, you know. Yeah. That's, those are always the best kind of situations, conversations, you know. It's refreshing, you know, yeah. it's, uh, you don't always get the sense that, like, people are, uh, a lot of people, there's a lot of really awesome people out there, and you don't always get that chance to see that. Right. Because um, maybe you see them, like, as a client, or you see them as, 
a business connection or whatever else, and so you don't get a chance to like see them like with like their their guard down. Right. A lot yeah. Of people are just like, really cool and fun, and you don't always get a chance to see that. I think those events are like a perfect example of like. Oh, definitely. It's great, especially for example, like my um, annual Distinguished Gentlemen's Ride here yeah. in Phoenix. We get people from all walks of life, right? Different backgrounds, different professions, yeah. and everyone's coming together for one thing they have in common, right? And and so yeah, just like you're saying, everyone's guards down, everyone's smiling, everyone's having a great time, meeting new faces, new people, making connections, and yeah. sharing their love for motorcycles and. It's just, it's great. It's awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Mark, so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you, thanks for having you me. You've in a lot of things. That we oh, yeah. not even have in the questionnaire. <laughs> uh, but all helpful things. Um, mindset of an entrepreneur, small business owner is huge. Because um, you're, you're, you're you know, taking a bite out of life. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, taking a path of less travel. And so all your advice is, is well-timed. And definitely uh, super great for anyone who's trying to tackle that. Because uh, for a lot of people who are in a situation where like, having their own business now may be their only choice. Right. Money. Um, There's so, a lot of options out there, too. Yeah. Especially with... money playing video games online. I know. I know a few people that they get paid to play video games right. online. And they can do it from home and no one around. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's really... I mean, this is... This whole thing that's going on is going to open up different doors for a lot of people that maybe never thought about pursuing, you know, something that they can do on their own or, or being an entrepreneur. But, yeah, yeah. Cool. it's good Thank stuff. Thank you guys for watching and hope you enjoyed another episode of the Digital, Digital Hustle Show. <laughs> <laughs>